Pop quiz church history. What is today according to the church history calendar? Pentecost, right. Um, today we celebrate um, the coming of the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit descending upon us. And today um, the tension I want us to feel as we uh, worship God today is both this tension of having the Spirit and also of needing a fresh renewal of the Spirit. I want this tension to, uh, I think God wants this tension to be here with us, that we know that the Spirit came back in Acts 2 to his church in all those ways. But we also desperately need um, a revelation of who God is, who his Spirit is, who Jesus is in that. So as we're continuing worship today, we're going to walk through Acts 2. There's going to be a a lot of scripture reading. And on the screen, if you ever see words on the screen, that's going to be your uh, call of response. So, like, let's say Barry's going to start reading some scripture, and then words are going to pop up there. When words pop up there, that's our cue to be uh, uh, proclaiming the words that are up there. Does everybody understand that? Pretty, pretty straightforward. And I, I really hope today will be a time where, um, again, we'll see something new, we'll uh, receive something new, and uh, kind of our conceptions or misconceptions of what Pentecost is and is not that God can just speak to all of that today. And so it's really important that we're like down here together because of being the church and the church receiving the spirit in that. So there's also going to be some creative elements today. Julie's going to be painting in the back. Um, I encourage you to go and um, check it out after the service and ask God what he would have to reveal to you. DJ wrote a song for today. Um, Also, Gloria is going to be doing a movement piece to uh, DJ's song. And in all of this, be you know, asking the question, how does the Holy Spirit move? Spirit, how, how do I need to know you um, in, in a, maybe in a new way, maybe in the first time way? Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus. Uh, maybe you're here and you don't know the Father's love. Um, what is, how does the Spirit play into the crucifixion? How does the Spirit play into salvation and everything like that? So um, I want to bless us and pray for us, and then Barry is going to uh, start with some scripture reading. At this time, um, I want to give you the freedom to, to stand and to kneel and to sit and to wave flags and to do whatever during this worship service. Just don't be passive, okay? Even if you're sitting, don't be passive. You know, hope is not a passive thing. Hope is an entwining of ourselves around God. So if you need to sit and be meditating, awesome, but let that be an active striving to enter into his rest, Okay? And there is no condemnation or anything like that. If one person is standing during a worship song, one person is standing. Just don't respond out of a spirit of fear. Listen to what Christ is telling you. Listen to what the spirit is maybe um, uh, welling up inside of you as far as being on your knees or as far as just meditating on his word or standing with your hands raised. Okay? So there is freedom here because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay? So receive that from God. And God, we, we pray that you would reveal to us yourself. Um, we pray for this daily. Uh, we thank you, uh, Father, Son, and Spirit, that you are one. Uh, you are the Godhead, three in one, Lord. Um, we pray that any kind of like sensationalism where we just want to be fanatics about something would pass. We also, we also um, pray against any kind of spirit that would um, not want to actually see you, Holy Spirit, as a person. And just as this impersonal um, life energy or something, God. So in all of these things, Spirit, we ask you to re-inform us. We ask you to renew our minds, to enlarge our hearts, that uh, we would fear your name more. And uh, we pray and thank you for your forgiveness um, and how you uh, tell us to go at certain times and then other times you tell us to wait. And so uh, help us to live in that tension this morning and uh, to know and to worship you and to glorify you more. 
So we pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
Thanks, DJ and Gloria. Uh, Jake's going to do a poem now, and uh, it's going to require some uh, audience participation, which he'll inform you of. Yeah, like Justin said earlier, if there's something on the screen, I want you to say it. This is sort of going to be a call and response kind of uh, proclamation of the Spirit. So keep your eyes and hearts uh, open. Come, great mystery, come, invisible deep, shaping the creative void, hovering over the empty earth, a hand to smoothen the surface of turbulent tides and trembling hearts. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Come, formless filler of all life and body, gust for the dust and the rattle of those dry bones. Build a temple, dwell inside. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Come, mouthless, looser of prophets' tongues and binder of lions' jaws, dispeller of man's confusing babble and assembler of all men's languages. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Come, uncondemning fire of presence, burning word of purity to press lips. We who, hear, we who have an ear confess this message that Christ is risen and the Spirit is present. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Come whispering wind, the patient hurricane, the tender storm, under whose movement we were formed and reformed, born and reborn. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. 
Come, eyeless seer of sin in men's souls, comforting griever of hardened men's hearts. Come, royal sealer of sanctified sonship, infinite authenticator of our adoption. Come, O come, thou searching groan, desiring deeply the unveiling of God's sons. Come, O come, holy bridegroom's rhythm, the meter of the great dance and healer of all injured limbs. The bones which you have broken rejoice. Come, O come, thou murmuring truth, undulating lantern of lit paths, resonating revealer of the resurrected Lord. Come, new wine. Come, new Counselor, come. Come, old word. Come, scripture breather. Come. Let the spirit and the bride say come. Let the one who hears say come. How is it, they say, in wonder and amazement, that this is even taking place? What is it, we ask, in astonishment, confusion, that we are even seeing? And for what reason? What is the meaning? This is foolish, they cry in mockery and fear. Drunkenness at such an hour? This is madness, we claim, in ignorance and pain. What sad and laughable debauchery, shouting loudly over the pounding of our hearts. But listen. Be watchful as I come, for I will pour my spirit fully into the vessels of my people. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your young men and young women, they shall see visions. Your fathers and your mothers, they shall dream dreams. And again, the true, spirit, the true testimony of Jesus the spirit of prophecy. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Surely, I am coming soon. Pentecost Sunday is, is when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're reading through Acts 2, because that's where we see this manifestation of the Spirit come on God's people. But if, but if that's all we know of Pentecost Sunday then we miss a whole depth of riches in who God is and his provision for his people. Um, and so today is May 27th, and, and it, it is like the anniversary of what we read in Acts 2. Like this is the time when this Holy Spirit came on God's people. Like this, this is good news. This is, this is like a holiday, right? Um, th- this is good news. To fully understand Pentecost... And what it means, not just what it meant in Acts 2, but what it means for us today on May 27th in 2012. We have to rewind things a few thousand years. And so a few thousand years ago, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And um, God came to his people. And he said, I'm going I'm to let you go. I'm going to free you. But I need you to, to slaughter a young male lamb and take the blood of that lamb and, and smear it on your doorposts of your homes. And um, I'm going to pass over Egypt. And those homes which have the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, their firstborn son will be saved. Those homes that don't, their firstborn son will be killed. And so the Israelites had this word from God, so they knew that they could save their child by putting the blood on the doorposts. But the Egyptians did not have this truth from God. And so when the Lord passed over Egypt... All the firstborn sons of the Egyptians died. And it caused their nation to go into great mourning because they had lost so many of their children. They had lost the next generation. And with great sadness and mourning and and anger, Pharaoh's told the Israelites, go, go. Because they couldn't be there anymore. Because he saw what had happened by enslaving the Israelites. The Lord was setting his his people free. So, So Pharaoh sends them away. The ones who had the blood on their doorposts. 
seven weeks after they left Egypt, they ended up at the, uh, the foot, the base of Mount Sinai. And it was on Mount Sinai where God gave his people his word, the Ten Commandments. His word he gave them, right? So they left their slavery. And then they traveled for seven weeks to the base of Mount Sinai. And God revealed his word to his people. They were living in freedom from slavery. And now they had this guide to show them how to live in freedom. And the Ten Commandments, the first four were about loving God. And the last six were essentially about loving neighbor, which is interesting because we hear that in Scripture. Love God. Love your neighbor. See, God is he's, he's doing all this. He's preparing all this so that we can experience the, the fullness of it. So, um, after the, the Israelites receive God's word through the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai, this is a big deal for them, so they decide that every year they should celebrate the giving of God's word to them at Mount Sinai. And so they have this festival called Shavuot that they celebrate every year. And they were celebrating at times of the Old Testament. They were celebrating God's provision of his word to them at Mount Sinai. In Acts 2, in the passage that we're in this morning, this is what God's people had come together in Jerusalem to celebrate. The giving of God's word to his people. They had come together to celebrate Shavuot. And it was one of the Jewish festivals where they traveled. So they all traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate God's provision of his word. Right? So they're all there. And they call it Pentecost in Acts 2. And that's the Greek word, which literally means the holiday of 50 days. Because it was 50 days after Jesus had died and his blood had been shed that they were celebrating Pentecost. Okay? So you're starting to see some of these parallels come out in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the, the Spirit descends on, on God's people, and they start speaking in other languages because the Jews had come from all these nations. There were Jews in all these nations, and so they come together. And the Jews that the, the Holy Spirit had fallen on in Jerusalem start speaking languages of all these nations where all the Jews had come from. And they hear, they hear God's truth being spoken in their native tongue, and, and they're blown away. And, and others come, come to know through the Spirit, come to know their Lord and their Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, so check this out. This is where the beauty of the Old Testament and the New Testament really comes together. Pentecost in Acts 2 happened seven weeks or 50 days after Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus shed his blood to liberate his people from sin. The Lord instructed the Israelites thousands of years ago to put the blood of a lamb on their doorposts because it was going to release them from slavery into freedom. Jesus died on Passover when they were celebrating the passing over of the Lord over Egypt. Jesus is the, he, he, he is the lamb. It is his blood, right? So even though the Lord was telling the, the Israelites to put this blood of a lamb on their door, he was even thinking ahead to liberating God's people from sin through Jesus, his son, the lamb who was slain, the pure, innocent lamb. Seven weeks, 50 days, after, G, after God passed over the Egyptian people, 
and over their homes. They got the word at Mount Sinai. Fifty days in the New Testament, after Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit came on God's people. God sets this up for us to be able to see the beauty of his word and and, and how he works in our lives. Like, this is beautiful. God spins the whole Passover in Egypt and 50 days later gives him the word and he knows thousands of years later the innocent blood of his son will be shed to free his people from slavery to sin. He gives him the word at Mount Sinai 50 days after the Passover and then he gives him the Holy Spirit 50 days after Jesus is killed. What's the point of the Holy Spirit? The people are now living in freedom because they've been liberated because of Jesus' death on the cross. Now they have the Holy Spirit to guide them in their life. That's what the word was for when it was given at Mount Sinai. Do you see the parallels here? Do you see what's happening here? Like God set this up for us to, to see this. God set this up for us to see this. So this celebration of Shavuot, or Pentecost, that we celebrate today, is a celebration of God's provision for his, spe- for his people, of his word, which he gave at the base of Mount Sinai. But it's also the celebration of the word, who is Jesus, right? John 1, in the beginning, the word already existed, The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and created everything, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except... God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. So so when, when the Lord gave his people at Sinai the Word... To some extent, they were getting Jesus. We know that now because Jesus is the Word. And so on Pentecost Sunday, we don't just celebrate the Holy Spirit coming. We celebrate the Word, and we celebrate the Word, Jesus, the Word. Like, God is good to his people. He is so good to his people And so today is a celebration of of God's provision, not just of a historical thing that happened in Acts 2. No, like the Holy Spirit still comes upon God's people. In Acts 2.38, which we're going to read in in a little bit, Peter is preaching to the people. He says, let's go start at 37. Let everyone in Israel, uh, Peter's words pierce their hearts. And they said to him and to other apostles, brothers, What should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ to show that you have received forgiveness for your sins. And so what the people are responding to, what they're hearing that pierces their heart, is God's word. Like, Peter is quoting God's word. We read it up here this morning. He's quoting God's word. And he's also giving commentary on Jesus, the word. He's telling the story of Jesus. He's talking about his death. So the word from the Old Testament, from the law, and the word Jesus is being preached to these people on the day in their history that the word first came to them. And once again, it pierces their hearts. And they receive it. And they're changed. And they're transformed. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. 
They're receiving the word and the word Jesus led to their receiving the spirit that day in Acts 2. Shavuot, the receiving of the word at Mount Sinai, and Pentecost, Acts 2, is really a celebration, again, for Christians, of the Father giving us his Son and his Holy Spirit. This is good news, right? This is good news. The Father gives us good gifts. The Son gives us life. The Holy Spirit guides us in that life. The Son gives us freedom. Jesus gives us freedom. The Holy Spirit guides us as we walk and live in that freedom. Thousands of years ago, God gave his people freedom from slavery through the blood of the Lamb. And seven weeks after that, he gave them his word so it could guide them in how they lived in their newfound freedom. This is beautiful. God loves his people. He sets us up so we can look back on this stuff and go, whoa, I am now part of that story. I am part of what God did for the Israelites. That just isn't some historical great Bible story that we read about. No, like God did that so we could experience what we experience today in the freedom. And so this morning, as we continue to worship in word, and as we continue to worship in in spirit, and as we continue to worship in truth, and as we continue to worship in music, this is celebration of God giving his word to his people and God giving his spirit to his people so we no longer have to live in slavery. And that is what today is about. That is what Pentecost is about. That is what May 27th, for each of us, needs to be about. Let's pray. Jesus, your word is amazing. Um, when we begin to understand the fullness and the depth and the riches of it, we are, we are blown away. Um, and so we thank you. We thank you that we can discover these things, that we can mine these things. When we, when we truly desire to have a heart to see and eyes to see and ears to hear your word, it is powerful. The word that you gave on Mount Sinai, it wasn't just for your Israelites, it was for us. The Holy Spirit that you gave on Pentecost in Acts 2 in the first century, it wasn't just for the Jews that had come there from many countries in that part of the world. No, it's for us. And so, Lord, we ask that your spirit would come on us and would be our guide and would lead us into all truth. And Jesus, you are the truth. We love you and we thank you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So, um, I have a, a time now to share some thoughts on the Holy Spirit. And as... Um, as I was getting ready for today, the Father put it on my heart that I would give my Holy Spirit confessions. So I wrote them out, and these, these are my Holy Spirit confessions. So leading up to today, um, even in the preaching and teaching team when we were planning out the sermons for the next couple months, several months ago, uh, Jesus put it on my heart that we desperately need to celebrate Pentecost to celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. I celebrate creation and the Father regularly. I play outside, I go on walks, I look at clouds and stars and think about God making them. I know that God made me and has adopted me so that my spirit can honestly say, Abba, Daddy, Father. I've celebrated Christmas and Easter every year of my life. 
I've had vivid dreams of both the Father and Jesus where I talk to them and they reveal the depths of my heart, good and bad, to me. But I've never celebrated Pentecost and I've yet to have a dream of the Holy Spirit that I can remember. It isn't that I don't think about the Holy Spirit. It isn't that I'm not thankful for the Holy Spirit. But do I celebrate Him? Do I worship Him? Do I adore Him? Do I believe that I've been given the Holy Spirit? Do I believe that He dwells in my very soul? These are good questions to ask and also difficult questions. The question that really sticks out is the one of belief. Do I believe that God has given His Holy Spirit to His children? Do I believe that he has given his spirit to me, and do I believe that he is fulfilling his promise at this very moment? I want to confess two things today that may seem conflicting. I want to confess both negatively and positively. That's not to say I'm confessing in a bad way and in a good way, but it is to say that there are two sides to confession, one being negative and one being positive. We're all familiar with negative confession, where we reveal our sins and brokenness to God and to our spiritual family. But we may not be as familiar with positive confession, where we declare the truth of God to God and to our spiritual family. One well-known example of this is when Peter declared that Jesus was the Messiah. In your Bible, this story is even probably titled something like Peter's Confession of the Christ. Like that's, that's a confession. To speak that truth is a confession. I'll start with a confession of disbelief, sin, and my brokenness. I confess to my God and to you, my spiritual family, that I've often struggled with doubt about the Holy Spirit. Not doubt that he exists, but that he exists in me to the extent promised and shown in Scripture. I also confess disobedience to him. There are myriad times in my life when I have disobeyed that small, gentle voice in my heart to change my words, to think of someone differently, to stop and listen, to love. And I confess that I have not made a point of celebrating him. The Holy Spirit is God. He is to be celebrated. The Holy Spirit is also to be honored and revered. Jesus said that all sins can be forgiven, but blaspheme against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. I'm not here to speculate on what that statement fully means. That kind of judgment belongs to the Father and the Father only. It does, however, tell me, just how incredibly essential the Holy Spirit is to both my salvation and my life. These are doubts and sins that I see, and I see that they are wrong. I want to see them the same way as God sees them, and so I confess them to him and to you, and allow the Holy Spirit to transform my mind for Christ's glory. Now I want to confess positively. I confess that there is one God. I confess that he is Father, He is Jesus, and he is Holy Spirit. I confess that it is better to have the Holy Spirit living in me than it is to have Jesus still in body on earth. The Holy Spirit is Jesus in his full glory in me. There is no break of fellowship. He's not going to go to sleep. He's not going to run, like have me go across the water, and then like there's a break in fellowship. There's no break in fellowship with the Spirit. He is there continually. I confess that the presence of Jesus, the King and my Savior, is made manifest to me by the Holy Spirit. I confess that I believe that God's promise of the Holy Spirit is for me and that the Holy Spirit lives in me 
because I have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, adopted by the Father, and I am hidden in Him from this very moment to the fullness of eternity. Um, my favorite chapter in the entire Bible is Psalm 27, and I wrote a song that we sing sometimes about Psalm 27, and, and Jay has said this repeatedly, that there, there's this verse in Psalm 27 that is so key. It, it says, um, it says, the one thing I ask, the thing I seek the most is to live in your house all the days of your life, in your temple, meditating on you. God not only honored that request of David, but he one-upped it. He didn't put David all of his life in his temple. He put his temple all of his life in David. And that is our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the dwelling and the temple of God in me. So Psalm 27 is not only glory, it's glory upon glory. It's not only filled, it's filled and overflowing in me. The thing I ask, the thing I seek the most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And he said, yes, I will do that, but I will do that more and I will live in you all the days of your life from now to the fullness of eternity. And that is incredible. I confess that the Holy Spirit is to be celebrated. Pentecost is to be celebrated. And so I celebrate you, Holy Spirit. You are the wonderful presence of God. You are the sweet aroma of his hope. You escape definition and description for a reason. You are both mystery and knowledge, and you are the great hope and gift for the bride from the Father. I pray that you would seal us in faith, that we would believe that the promise of the Holy Spirit is for us, and that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we might say, where you go, I go. Your people will be my people, and nothing not even death itself will ever separate me from you. We're going to sing, Where You Go, I Go. But um, I'm going to play quietly for a minute. And before I start singing, like, I pray that you would also allow yourselves to be at a place of both confession of sin and confession of truth, and that you would confess um, the doubts, but then you would celebrate through confession, the Holy Spirit, like, like celebrate, like honestly celebrate, like God is so good and he loves you and he gave you his Holy Spirit and that's, that's not like a statement, like that's a fact, like you have the Holy Spirit and so it's important that you claim that, it's important that you say yes, I have the Holy Spirit, it's, it's important for you to declare that, to confess yes, I have the Holy Spirit in me fully and so allow yourself to actually confess that, that you have the Holy Spirit and that he is your master and, and you're, you've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Last week we talked about love and we talked about biblical love and how biblical love is, is usually way up here, higher than our standard of what love means. Um, and so Jesus died on the cross for us. His Father gave us Jesus on the cross, showed us that love, and then we in turn should naturally love others, but sin came into the world and it's not that natural to us anymore. Um, and then uh, we can't just love the ones that it's easy to love, our friends, people that are around us, people that love us back. We're supposed to love the unlovable is what, what the Word tells us. Um, and then it says husbands are supposed to love their wives like Christ loved the church. Well, Christ died for the church, so there's suffering and sacrifice involved in love. And 
Um, and so as we think of the Spirit coming on us, um, think, think of the outworking of that as the love that we talked about last week that we're called to. Um, in Acts 2, the passage ends with the folks just loving each other, selling everything that they had, giving it to people who needed it, fellowshipping together, praying together, worshiping together, sharing together. That's love. Um, and it's often a standard for the church that we set and we shoot for and we, you know, and, and we get stuck or we go under. And, and, but we, but we want to shoot for that, right? And, and that's a picture of love. And the Spirit came on the people so that they could, they could love. And so my prayer today for us is that as the Spirit comes on us, that the outworking would be love. That would be love like we see in Acts 2. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for for our body, and I pray in the name of your Father, and in your name, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. I pray that we would receive the Holy Spirit to get today again, or for the first time, so that we can walk from here in love, to love by the standard that you sent us out to love with, to love sacrificially, to suffer if, if, it, if it calls for it, Lord, if there's hard hearts in here that are just saying, I don't think the Spirit has that power. Or, I've experienced the Spirit. I don't want to experience the Spirit. I don't think it's that powerful anyway. Or, the Spirit can't get through to me because I'm too hurt. I'm in too much pain. I can't see it. I never saw it before. God, we pray that you would just break through that, that your Spirit would fall on that heart, on those hearts, just like your Spirit fell on Pentecost. Lord, fall afresh on us with your spirit today so that we can love you, the provider of good gifts like your word and your spirit. And Lord, so that we can love those in our own home. We can love those in our neighborhood. We can love those at work, wherever it is, Lord, that your spirit would lead us to love. And these things remain faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And Lord, let your spirit lead us there. In your name we pray. Amen.